0: I think that dog training needs to be as accessible as possible and being very rigid, whereby my office hours are only once a week during our lesson type thing. For me, that doesn't work. And it doesn't work for my clients as well, because if they're having a panic because their puppy has not slept for two nights and they haven't slept for two nights and they're they're running a Fortune 5000 or whatever, (laughs) you know, I need to be able to help them in that situation. I need to be able to say, right, okay how about we try this or this or this? I don't think it's fair from my point of view to expect them to wait another five, 10 days in order to have that question answered.
1: Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. We did it. We made it to episode 200 of the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. I honestly can't believe that we've made it to 200. I remember when I was just shy of 100 episodes, and that was such a big goal to reach, and here we are doubling that. It's just amazing. Over the past four years, I have interviewed over 150 women in the pet industry. That's a lot of people. (laughs) going all the way back to episode 1 with Mila Chapel of Real Happy Dogs. I have talked to women all over the United States and Canada, Australia, England and Germany. So we are international. <laughs> this episode is also really exciting because it's going to put us over 90,000 downloads. This is just so exciting to me. So keep an eye out. I will definitely be doing a campaign next month to help us get to 100,000 downloads. That's kind of the next big milestone after 200 episodes. Now, I I just want to get real and get honest with you for a second before I tell you about today's guest. To be honest, I really wanted to interview kind of like a quote unquote celebrity, of the pet industry for episode number 200 because that's a big milestone, right? So two months ago, I started reaching out to my dream guest. I reached out to them, their PR team, their social media team, and I heard nothing back. But you know what? I thought about it and I realized that every single person I interview is my dream guest. And I admire every single woman I have had on here and every single person listening. And that includes you. You never know whose story will inspire you. And that's my favorite thing about hosting this podcast. I get to talk to women who are just starting their pet business and others who have been in the industry for many years which is why I'm really excited to share today's interview with you for big episode number 200. I talked to Kimberly Freeman, who you might know online as City Dog Expert. Kim told me about how she started out as a dog walker, then professional dog trainer while at university in Scotland. When she moved to New York City, she saw the need for resources for city dogs, and she started blogging to share her expertise and recommendations. Now she's back in the UK and pivoting again while turning City Dog Expert into Europe's number one city dog blog. We talked about the importance of getting certified and licensed or joining professional organizations to market your pet business. Kim also told me about why studying canine body language is important for all dog care providers. I hope that you enjoy the 200th episode of the Wear Wag Repeat podcast, and if you haven't yet, please leave a review in the Apple Podcast app so we can keep this paw tea going. You can also share a screenshot of this episode on your Instagram stories to help me celebrate this big milestone. City dog expert founder Kimberly Freeman has been a leading dog industry expert and professional dog trainer for 18 years, both in the UK and the United States. She launched City Dog Expert in 2013 after realizing the tremendous difficulties dog owners in New York City and other big cities have in finding products, events, and information that are specifically designed for a dog in the city. Kimberly has served as the director of City, Sit, Stay, where she provides private and group training lessons for dogs of all ages and is an avid dog fosterer, having already fostered 155 dogs in three years. She's a rehoming expert at the Dog Matchmakers, founder of Operation OK Dog, dog rescue coordinator for various UK charities and fundraising advisor for many New York City and UK-based animal charities. Kimberly is a regular keynote speaker at both dog lifestyle and behavioral expert events. City Dog Expert is now Europe's number one city dog blog.
0: Hi, Kim. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for
1: making the time to be on the show. It sounds like you're just busy, busy, busy.
0: Yes. I ha- I do a lot of things and obviously we're in different time zones as well, but yes. I am so passionate about what I do that I I try and do as much as I can or as give as much as I can, especially to rescue dogs. I'm a huge rescue person. Four of my dogs are rescue dogs. So if I have the time, if I had the energy, I um, am falsely mad.
1: Well, it's wonderful. And it's easy to like, keep going and keep doing it when you can see how, how much of an impact that you're making. And and with the rescues, you can really see like firsthand those
0: particular dogs. Absolutely. Especially when I'm doing fostering, you know, Um, I was fostering a Pomeranian for a couple of weeks and, Amazingly, he found his new home really, really quickly. But there is always that really heartbreaking moment where you're like, "Oh, I have to say goodbye to you," but obviously, you're really happy at the same time that he's going to this new, amazing new life.
1: Yes, but you always want like a, more time.
0: Oh, I know, I know, <laughs> I need a clone of myself. <laughs>
1: Um so why don't we I guess why don't we start if you could kind of like take us back in time um I I would love to hear how City Dog Expert came to be um you know I think that that, you know, catering things to city dogs is a unique need. I live in a city and it's, you know, when I'm, when I'm on Instagram and stuff, even nowadays, it's just different. You know, I see people posting and they've got these huge houses and these huge yards. And I'm like, I can't relate to that. (laughs) Um, so tell us like how, you know, if it was a similar kind of thought process that happened to you. How did city dog expert get started?
0: Oh, such a great question. So we are going to go back quite a while now. (laughs) I've been doing this for a while. Uh, But I had basically moved from Scotland where I was at college and got accepted into drama school in New York City. So I was like, right, off we go. I'm going to move with my dog to New York. And it was petrifying. I had Absolutely no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what the rules were. Can I take my dog here? Can I not take my dog here? Can I even have a dog in a studio apartment? How do I find uh, landlords that are happy about having dogs? And it was just this huge hassle that I had no idea how to navigate. And so I started blogging and I I was blogging about my adventures with my dog in the city. I was blogging about all the things that we were up to, all the products that I really liked, especially in cities. You're looking at small spaces. You're looking at products that serve hopefully multiple purposes. And that look good. You know, most people living in a city apartment don't have a a, a separate dog room or a utility room where they can keep all the, the gross dog beds and things like that. So I started just blogging about what I was doing. And I realized that there, there was no one else doing it. No one was talking about how to allow a dog to thrive in an urban environment. So I started using all my training skills. I entirely changed my training ethic from being all about country dogs to How can we make sure that dogs are doing well in urban environments? And since then, it's just grown and grown and grown and grown because there are so many people in cities and with so many people come so many dogs. So that's how it all began. Thanks to a little rescue dog (laughs) and our adventures in New York. So were you,
1: did you have experience in dog training before you moved to New York? Yes. You kind of brought that with you.
0: Absolutely. So as I said, I was in Scotland and I started off Um, a dog walking business when I was in college all my friends were working in bars working at the student union you know in libraries shops that kind of thing and I was like nah I'm gonna just walk dogs and I started this company that grew and grew and became the biggest dog walking and pet sitting service on the east coast of Scotland and I was still a full-time student you know I had I think at 1.5 staff that worked for me I had a fleet of vehicles and vans and With the dog walking, I felt that it was only right that I understood what made dogs tick. I needed to make sure that I was giving the best service possible to my clients. And so my degree in psychology started adding various elements of zoology and animal behavior. And from there, I have just been working on training and animal behavior as much as possible, especially focused on city dogs. So yeah, it all started with me being a student walking dogs.
1: I love it. And it's amazing how it's kind of, it's kind of grown. And like, maybe you think like studying psychology has nothing to do with this, but it really kind of all ties together.
0: You know, I just wanted to do the best by my dog at the time. And that's why I started the dog walking because I just wanted to spend so much time with him. And, you know, I lived in Scotland. It's probably the most beautiful place in the UK, beautiful hills everywhere. And I was like, yeah, I could do this, you know, four hours of walking every day with my dog. Fantastic. But when it included having other people's dogs, I felt that I needed to make sure that I understood everything that was making a dog tick, making sure that I was providing the correct service for both the human and for the canine as well. And surprisingly, there is a lot of overlap in human psychology and canine psychology. So it it worked perfectly.
1: And so you, you had a small dog and it was a small country dog, basically. And then you move into the city. So then you've got a small city dog, but then, you know, as a dog trainer and a blogger, I'm sure your paths cross all the time with lots of different breeds. So kind of what, what do you need to know, I guess, as a, um, someone in the dog care field, I'm going to just make it really broad there because that kind of covers everything in the dog care field. Like how much do you need to know about all the different breeds or is it better to to focus on a size or a particular breed? Like, what do you think?
0: Such a great question. Actually, my Scottish dog was a big dog. He was a retriever. So I moved with a big retriever from, from one continent basically to another, where he was used to having all this space to suddenly being in a studio. And then as the years of living in cities has gone on, all my dogs have just been getting smaller and smaller (laughs) to the point now where my smallest dog is like a two pound (laughs) Pomeranian. But when you're looking at training behavior or any kind of uh, dog caregiving service, I think there are lots of overlaps between the different breeds. Every breed obviously has their specific genes. They have their specific um, breeding behind them, which, sometimes depending uh will steer them more in one direction to another if you're looking at working dogs if you're looking maybe at more herding dogs or whatever that happens to be but when you're looking generally at behavior especially things like body language most of the stuff is quite similar and there are a lot of overlaps making sure that your dog is okay in certain environments checking you know that their anxiety levels are okay or reactivity, et cetera. So I would say within that, there was a lot of overlap, but it is really important as a pet professional to understand those nuances as well. And when you're looking at city dogs, we would assume that most city dogs are small dogs. But as we both know, every city, no matter what country you are in the entire world, and City Dog Expert is the readers are everywhere, basically. Global brands. I, I love that. Thank you. Stealing. <laughs> um, but every country and every city with, within those countries, they all have different sizes, different amounts of space, also different regulations. You know, just in the US, some places are, are pit bull friendly, other places aren't. Some condos will only allow small dogs. Others are quite happy for all sizes. In other places, for example, in the UK, it's less likely to find pet friendly or um, you will find certain guidelines. I.e. You can't have a dog over a certain weight or you can't have a certain size, that kind of thing. So I wouldn't say that there was a specific city dog model within that. But I think that different countries and different cities always have their preference, but the universal understanding of body language is one of those things that is running below everything. Yeah. I hope that answers your question.
1: No, no, it did. And I think that, um, I think that is something interesting to point out because I think we think so much, or at least maybe what I've just been reading lately, it's on my mind of like the differences, you know, between hurting dog or a dog who naturally is inclined to do lots of scent work and sniffing and stuff. But at the end of the day, the body language is sort of a constant amongst everyone.
0: Absolutely. And actually, um, dogs that are very good with their noses do really well in urban environments because there is so much to sniff. And it's one of those things that you don't need to rely on doing a lot of exercise for them. So you can be doing stunt work in small spaces, even in studio apartments or in small dog parks, that kind of thing. Whereas if you had, say, a more energetic dog, if you didn't have the lifestyle that would allow you to exercise it or you didn't have the finances to be able to pay for a dog walker or or a, um, a pet sitter or daycare, then that might not be the ideal dog for you if you're stuck somewhere like Manhattan where, you know, there's literally box, tiny box apartments crammed in next to each other. So having a little bit of a think about your lifestyle definitely should be dictating what kind of dog you choose.
1: Yes. Um, now I kind of want to like shift gears a little bit and talk about mm, the last like two horrible years. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about something fun, COVID. Um, <laughs> but, but you in the last, in the last two years since the pandemic have been doing online dog training classes um so it, talk a little bit about that and how that how you kind of had to make a total 180 um and 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 what a success it's been
0: oh thank you um i think pretty much like everyone that you know we were suddenly hit, hit with this pandemic and lockdown after lockdown every self-employed person i know especially those in the pet industry kind of panicked you know basically our income just vanished every dog walker I know suddenly had no work because everyone was working at home um training we couldn't go out anywhere and do anything because everyone was in lockdown or socially distancing depending on which country what country you were in depends on what your restrictions were at the time but I decided to move all my in real life stuff to online and it came mostly from desperation because I was so like, oh my God, how the hell am I going to pay for my life? <laughs> you know? as, as you probably know, London isn't a cheap city. So when you're not earning any money for a few months because of lockdowns, it's really important to have that talk with yourself, that realistic chat and say, right, what are my strengths? What can I actually do to try and make this work? And I moved everything from being in real life stuff to online. And surprisingly, it worked. And not only did it just work, it thrived to the point where I won an award last year. My classes were just selling out within 12 hours. I could not keep up with the demand for doc training. And it was one of those things that no one had even considered online dog training previously. Yeah, you know, occasionally I'd have a Skype session with one of my clients, you know, if they were back in New York or I was traveling and it was someone back in the UK. But it wasn't something that people did regularly. And in exactly the same way that everyone in every single industry had to suddenly pivot, I did exactly the same thing. And thankfully, it worked out and it's done so well. And what's really, really interesting is that the dogs are learning faster. As well, which is one of those things that you wouldn't expect. You would expect on a um on an online class that they'd be doing okay, but they'd be doing much better when the trainer is in the room. And in fact, in most cases, it's the exact opposite. Because the dog I was gonna say, why do you think that is? Well. <laughs> the puppy doesn't have any distractions anymore. If you were just working in your home environment where a pup just has you and um another human, as an example, or you know, a few family members and just that puppy, it's not distracted by five other puppies and 10 other humans in the class. It's not distracted by having gone on a half hour journey to get to the dog training facility. It also allows the human to relax a lot more. And this is something that we really don't consider enough when it comes to dog training, but the effect that training has on the person it's exhausting looking after a a tiny little being. And we need to understand that when you're in an environment that, you are not comfortable with as a human you're less likely to be focused you're going to be more distracted by the cute little labrador across the hall you're going to be distracted every time the toilet doors slam or a door opens or whatever it is whereas when you have an online class you can sit there in your pajamas you can write notes and you can re-watch the zoom video as many times as you want to so if it came to the point where i was like oh okay i don't quite remember What Kimberly said for the second exercise, let me just go back and watch it again. Whereas if you were in a class environment, you would have to wait until the next week to be like, actually, I can't remember what you said last week. Can you go over it again? So the humans were learning better. The dogs were learning better and they were learning more. (laughs) So my classes went from six weeks of learning approximately six things in real life to four weeks learning eight to ten different things and they were nailing it absolutely nailing it so I'm a huge huge fan of online dog training now and and for certain anxiety issues for example separation anxiety issues it's the only way to really do it properly because Mm -hmm. if you're going into someone's house well you're not really recreating the the environment where a dog is actually being by themselves, in any case, because you're there. Whereas if you're doing it online and you're watching things on zoom, you can absolutely see every single thing that's going on. And then you can relay that information to the human and say, right, actually within 10 seconds of you leaving, this is what Fido did. And then Fido did this. And then we can see the pacing and that, and that, and it's so much easier for people to be able to absorb information in a way and in a time period that works for them.
1: Yeah. This is just so cool. I it's I'm amazed. I guess since now we're 2 years in so you can actually you've gone through many rounds of these courses and you can see like really that people are learning literally twice as much or that the dogs Absolutely. are learning twice as much altogether. I remember I interviewed um some trainers back in the early days of the pandemic who specialized in reactive dogs, and they were just like, yeah, we started doing online training and it's been so great for this, that, and that reason. Um, and it just seems kind of like it's it's just been undeniably successful. So is this something that even when everything is like back to quote unquote normal, you think you'll continue with the online
0: Absolutely. I mean, in the UK, we have pretty much, actually, we've got restrictions re-entering again now. But for the last six plus months, we have definitely been at the point where things were supposedly back to normal. You know, all the social distancing measures had gone, etc. During that period of time, I was still fully booking my online classes because it now gave people who weren't living near to a dog trainer access to classes, yeah, people yeah. in different countries who didn't even know where the nearest dog trainer was or how to even find a dog trainer. It's there. It's all there for them. And the other advantage as well, especially when you're looking at a city folk, is that city folk now, gosh, <laughs> I, sound, <laughs> I sound so colloquial, <laughs> You sound like a country (laughs) bumpkin. I know. I'm like talking about city dogs. I'm like, uh, you know, city folk. (laughs) Um, But when you're looking at people that are CEOs and hedge funds, you know, all of these people that are running businesses. And I work with a lot of um, VIP clients who um, are working 10, 12, 14 hour days or they're on set in a particular location or they're traveling from A to B if they can't make that class for whatever reason, they can just watch the Zoom recording in their own time. And sometimes they'll get a message at four in the morning being like, just caught up with the homework. That's amazing. Can't wait to get started. And that allows more dogs to be trained. And that relationship between the human and the dog to really start building from day one. Sadly, too many people leave it a little bit too late for training. And we really want to be using training as much as possible to preempt problems and prevent issues from happening. So mm-hmm. online training, as far as I'm concerned, is the way forward.
1: Yeah, I I, I think it's just such a great solution. Um, what kind of like what, What platform or what kind of tools do you use to deliver the class?
0: So I have everything on um, like a hub, basically, which uh, has... Their homework It has video tutorials. It has PDFs for them. So they have all of the information before class. I also do various community groups as well on Facebook so people can talk to each other. And this is something that's very important when you are looking at first time puppy owners or people dealing with anxiety issues or separation anxiety issues it can feel very isolating. And knowing that other people are going through exactly the same thing as you, especially when it comes to separation and anxiety issues, knowing that you're not alone can be very, very helpful. Knowing that, you know, uh, Fido in Edinburgh is absolutely crazy over these particular treats. As an example, oh, maybe I should try that treat because that owner's recommended it to me. So it's really important, I think, that we do have that community there and that we know that we aren't alone within certain things so we have the uh the online platform which has access to the community groups as well they then are sent zooms zoom links pretty similar to what we're doing right now where they can then join in live they also have the opportunity to message me within the communities at any point i think from my point of view I think that dog training needs to be as accessible as possible and being very rigid, whereby my office hours are only once a week during our lesson type thing. For me, that doesn't work. And it doesn't work for my clients as well, because if they're having a panic because their puppy has not slept for two nights and they haven't slept for two nights and they're they're running a fortune by thousand or whatever, (laughs) you know, I need to be able to help them in that situation. I need to be able to say, right, okay how about we try this or this or this? I don't think it's fair from my point of view to expect them to wait another five, 10 days in order to have that question answered. So I want to be as available as possible to them. Um, As soon as they finish each class, they get a copy of the video as well. And then they also get a PDF and videos of how to do some of the more specific things. So Mm -hmm. there's lots of resources available which is something we can't do in real life. You know, I can give a few little handouts and things like that, but showing someone a video of how to do something with my dog or with a client's dog really can make the difference. so. Oh people.
1: Yeah. There's nothing like if you're trying to, to do something, a, a trick or just a certain behavior, being able to pause and
0: go back, like it just doesn't compare to being in real life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the great thing as well is when I was doing daycare also is that I could be using these platforms to show my clients how the dog is progressing on a day-to-day basis. You know, oh, here's Fido doing this beautiful sit surrounded by five other dogs in daycare. And it was really fantastic for, for the humans to be able to see that progress constantly and yeah. know that someone is there for their dog, no matter what time of day.
1: Yeah. Well, so speaking of daycare, um, so you, you, ha- so tell me, I want to get it straight. Cause I, think I have the details confused, but (laughs) so you've, you've had a daycare and it was one of the only licensed daycares in London.
0: In central London. Yeah. Basically. We have um, a law that came in about three years ago in the UK that a lot of people aren't actually aware of. But basically, any daycare needs to have a license now, which is a really great way of making sure that there are some standards within the industry, that it's not just Joe Bloggs down the dog park, who's like, yeah, look after your dog, you know, and all the poor dogs are kept in crates for the whole day or not walked or whatever it is. Or that Joe Bloggs actually understands first aid, uh, or has a registered vet, that kind of thing. So all this legislation came into place. And I was the only person in central London who had it. And because I was the only licensed person, my daycare just filled up. Like to the point now where we are looking at commercial spaces so that we can take more dogs in, and because of this huge pandemic puppy boom, and more people are considering going back to work at least on a more flexible basis. I have nearly three hundred people on my waiting list, and it's one of those things that pre COVID it was just more of a hobby daycare. <laughs> Every now and then I'm like, yeah, it's fine, just bring your dog over type thing, and and now it's absolutely huge and it goes to show how much uh, of a need there is for those pet services dog walkers pet sitters daycares etc and if people are doing it properly and legally they can do really well within that
1: yeah well and i think it also goes to show how um you know as a petpreneur how important it is to get licensed or become a part of a professional organization that you know, own, you can only join if you ha- meet certain requirements, etc. Um, it it can be really
0: great marketing just because you're doing things the right way. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, thankfully now with the rise of um, pet professionals on social media, people are becoming more aware of the the basic standards that pet carers should have. So fingers crossed, the more qualifications you have collected, the more associations you're a member of, the closer we get to some kind of baseline that is humane and kind towards our dogs and doing things the right way. Sadly, a lot of the industry is a little bit too unregulated, whereby anyone can absolutely claim to be anything. (laughs) So it's really important that as, as pet caregivers, we are doing our best and making sure that we have those credentials behind us and those organizations.
1: Yeah, I I think so too. And I mean, it applies to everything in the dog space. My gosh, like treats, food, trainers, everything. Um, So more regulation, I actually think would be good.
0: I think it, it's it's one of those things that definitely separate the wheat from the chaff when it comes to looking after your pet, because it's very easy for someone to have a slick website, to be very good at making TikTok videos. Well, all that shows is that they're, not, they're, they're good at making websites and slick at video editing. It doesn't actually show how good they are at looking after your dog. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you know, you are working with your council, with your, your local state, whatever those particular regulations are, that you are complying to them, I think makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, Kim, we have like just a few minutes left here. So I, I know time flies. Um, I wanted to ask you, since you have done so many things, I mean, your CV is stacked and (laughs) you do so many things now. I'm just wondering if you have like a five year dream or goal or something for city dog expert or for yourself.
0: Oh, what a great question. Okay, so there is the kind of type dream goal, which would be to travel to as many cities as possible, to be able to experience living in as many areas as possible with my dogs. I I love travel. I like being a tourist, but I prefer having my dogs with me because it becomes a lot more immersive. You suddenly feel part of that community because you have your dog and you're always going out and you're experiencing those new things. When People come talk to you too. Absolutely. Everyone assumes you're a local and they're starting to talk to you in Spanish or Italian or whatever. And you're like, oh, I don't understand <laughs> in whatever language it is. But it means that you are finding those people who for me are the most interesting people. They're the people who know where the great coffee shop is or where to find the best baguette in town, or you know, where the, the grappa is made locally or whatever it happens to be. So for me, I would love to do more traveling. In fact, I bought a camper van prior to COVID happening with the idea that myself and the dogs would just venture out and go and explore Europe and see as much of the world as possible. From a business point of view, I would love to keep expanding the readership of City Dog Expert to include everywhere. I'd love to be able to have translation services so that the languages that I don't speak, I can get translated in into whatever that particular thing is, because for city dogs, especially there aren't enough resources available. And I think that as I do already have that, a basic translation would probably work really well and allow people, more people access to it. I also would love to continue building the dog training and the daycare as well. London is severely lacking when it comes to legal daycare services. So I would love to, help build that more and help my community as much as I can and continue doing the charity work also. And hopefully I'll have enough space for some more foster dogs. (laughs) All the things.
1: (laughs) Not that you've put any thought into it or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously we could, we could talk for hours. We could do like a 10 part series here, but for today, we have to wrap it up. So tell everyone where, where can they find you online?
0: Oh, so sad we have to end this, but um, City Dog Expert, you can find under City Dog Expert, under all the socials or www.citydogexpert for training and free training resources. It is all on citysitstay.com or on citysitstay on all the socials as well. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much for, for being a guest and chatting and, um, I can't wait to keep in touch and hear about all these plans.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at team mystic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or join the Wear Wag Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.